0: Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast, the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. Aaron, I was uh, going over my packing list, you know, getting my suitcase packed last night, and uh, I realized that uh, my kilt needs dry cleaning. Do you have yours ready? Uh, no, come
1: to think of it, I do need to get it dry cleaned as well.
0: Yeah, because we're going to Glasgow, Scotland, but I guess people wear pants in Glasgow, don't they?
1: Um, there's a joke there and I'm not touching it because I I just, no, I'm not going to go there, but yes, yes, they do.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to be hitting Glasgow, Scotland, uh, New York, and LA should be quite the road trip. So,
1: okay. I'm not eating haggis. I'm telling you right now, no haggis.
0: I'm telling you right now that I'm not either, but uh, (laughs) let's hit the road. It's a new year, and it's a brand new Wayback Music Machine. CD player? Check. GPS? Double check. Roll bar. They're on the way. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we're getting ready for another rock and roll road trip. Are you ready, my friend? I'm always ready. Well, in that case, buckle up, because it's road trip time.
1: So Tony, we have uh, three very distinct places to go to this week. I'm wondering where would you like to go first? You, you never pick; you always ask me, and I'm really, really I'm honored by that. But you're going to pick this time.
0: Okay, so if I've got to choose between uh, New York, L.A., and Glasgow, let's go. Why don't we go L.A. first? That would be kind of fun. I could use some sunshine. It's very gray here today.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. I could. I'm with you for that. I'm with you 100.
0: All right, let's go to Los Angeles, April 5th, 1985. Here we go. So here we are, Los Angeles, April 5th, 1985. And do you know what is better than one radio station playing a song? <laughs> what? What is? 5,000 radio stations playing a song. And which song are they playing?
1: So 5,000 stations around the world played We Are the World by USA for Africa for the first time at 3.50 p.m. GMT,
0: which stands for? That's Greenwich Mean Time, isn't it? Yeah.
1: I've heard that Greenwich is very mean. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Nice, nice. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Say so, yeah, we are the world.
0: And uh, this song has an interesting history, and I remember that very clearly when that came out. But uh, it was actually written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and Stevie Wonder was uh, supposed to be involved in the writing, but he he was actually working on a soundtrack for the Woman in Red. Do you remember that movie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. although Stevie didn't have the hit. But the woman in red, if you remember. That's true. It's kind of ironic, right? Because the, the hit went to Christopher.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But uh, the whole... Uh, so Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie were were asked to write the song. But you know what? This is something I didn't know until I looked into this song, is that the impetus behind this was Harry Belafonte, of all Isn't people. Isn't that cool, eh? Yeah. So Harry Belafonte... Uh, after hearing the uk release of do they know it's christmas which of course was huge christmas 84 uh belafonte wanted to get an an american version uh together to raise money for ethiopian ethiopian famine relief and he asked uh, jackson and richie to write the song and i mean it just became a massive massive hit but uh I was reading a little bit about their sessions, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and they spent weeks uh working on this thing and then were getting not very far and then MJ just uh had a fit of inspiration and got almost the whole song written in one session and Lionel added some more of the lyrics and they got it done one day before the recording session which is pretty amazing.
1: Tony, do you when you were reading about the, the the when they were writing the song together, did you happen to see? Is that the only time those two wrote a song together?
0: I did not run across that, but I think so, right? I, um, I think so as well. Although they would have been familiar with each other because they were both on the Motown label at one time.
1: Hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're saying they finished it the day before the sessions? Eh?
0: Yeah. And. Uh, do you remember the stories they were talking about when they hired all these people? Because, I mean, it's a it's a who's who of superstars who are on this record, right? But in the recording studio, I mean, not only were they sworn to secrecy, but there was that famous sign. And I remember seeing a, a picture of that, yeah. right, where it said, you know, check your ego at the door. And uh, how appropriate. And then uh, my favorite, though, is they were greeted by Stevie Wonder because all the instrumental tracks had already been laid down. And Stevie Wonder greeted them at the door. And uh, did you see what he said?
1: Go ahead. I think it's I think it's hilarious.
0: It is very funny and typical Stevie Wonder humor here. But he said, "You guys had uh, better do this in one take. If it takes longer than one take, Ray Charles and I are going to be driving all of you home," which is uh, just <laughs> hilarious, eh?
1: <laughs> you see, that's what I love about Stevie Wonder. He, he has this great, uh, dry, and quite quite brilliant. Um, sense of humor. But you you know, you look at the list of people, you said who's who. I mean, you got, you know, of course, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers, Tina Turner's there, Dinah Ross, Willie Nelson, Springsteen, your favorite, Billy. Yep. And <laughs> my, have you seen the memes floating around of Bob Dylan singing in the chorus?
0: Uh, I don't think I have actually. No. Oh,
1: it's oh, okay. I'll send them to you later because they're quite funny. He just looks really uncomfortable. Bob Dylan being part of the festivities but um yeah it's quite a, it was a quite a quite a session wasn't it
0: it was and i mean that single because the single was actually released though on march the 7th uh before this radio broadcast day and it became the fastest selling u.s single in history and it's certified uh, quadruple platinum i remember everybody bought that back then
1: i bought the album because on the album there was a track by prince and i love prince and it wasn't on any other album but this, the track by prince and also they the, had the northern lights song on it too do you remember the canadian version of of uh, usa for africa that's yes had, yeah yeah that's on the album too so i thought you know what just get the album
0: oh for sure and uh, prince was wasn't able to make the recording session but he did contribute another song for the album yeah
1: I think he was on tour at the time. I think he was out of the country. He may have been in Europe touring, but yeah, he did contribute a a rather great song. Actually,
0: Mm -hmm. it's actually
1: the album as an as an album. It holds up. There's some really good stuff on the album. But anyway, so you know me, right? But uh, I remember too. I remember distinctly, and I I, it, it was just it was. It was just such big news, right? Like mm-hmm. it was um, huge, 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 huge news. So well, didn't they record it right after the, the Music Awards or something?
0: Yeah, the American Music Awards. Is that what it's called, the American Music Awards? Yes. Yeah, they were um, they were on earlier that night, and they a lot of these artists went from the award ceremony right to the studio and um, sworn to secrecy, absolutely sworn to secrecy. They could not talk about what they were doing.
1: And you, here's the thing, Tony. Could anything be sworn to secrecy in 2022, with all the telephones and the cell phones and you know? Could could anything be done like that? Could you, can you think of that?
0: Oh, I don't think it could, you know. And I was uh, hearing that, you know, for instance, the Rolling Stones are going to be releasing. Uh, did you hear about that? They're going to be releasing the el Combo, uh, yeah, uh, concerts as an album. We just
1: talked about that, didn't yeah, we?
0: Yeah, yeah. And how, there's no way that would be a secret today, and yet they did it for two nights. Which is absolutely amazing,
1: right? But with with multi with multimedia with with um, um, media being what it is, I forgot the first word. But you know, with the media being the way people on their cell phones taking photos and and just, I don't think things could be kept that secret anymore. I mean it's just it's a sad state of affairs. I mean, I remember when um, back in two thousand whatever David Bowie released his first album in ten years. It's a complete surprise to everybody because. It wasn't leaked. I think everything's leaked now, you know?
0: Yeah, it's very, very tough. And and like you say, I'm not sure that it's possible.
1: But back in the 80s, it was. And the word I was looking for was social media.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> oh, I tell you, it's either sleep deprivation or old age. I don't know, or both. Maybe, so, maybe both. Um, okay, so I looked at the top five Billboard albums that week uh, in America. And the reason I did that was because there's a running theme here that most of the people in the top five are on this record yes oh by the way Tony you know who the only non-american is on the record on we are the world
0: that is a good question well Tina Turner's no longer. no I'm not sure Bob Geldof oh that's right
1: yeah I'm from Dublin he is (laughs) all right top five albums private dancer by Tina Turner Number four, the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cop. Number three, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Springsteen was from there, so was Tina. Um, Number two, John Fogarty, Centerfield. I love that album. And number one, Phil Collins, No Jacket
0: Required. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned this before, but I mean, who didn't buy No Jacket Required? Everybody I knew owned that album.
1: Well, you must have had it, right? Let me guess, did you have it on cassette?
0: I think I am trying to remember because I don't have it anymore. Um I probably did on cassette. Yep. Cuz cassettes were the big 80s. A lot of people bought cassettes, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did have that on cassette. Yeah, I, I remember having it and I remember everybody I knew had that that album.
1: What's your Okay, what's your favorite song? See if I picked the I I picked a song already for the playlist. I'm wondering if it's your favorite song. Do you have a favorite song on the album? Do you remember the songs?
0: Well, you know what song I love? And it's not even a Phil Collins original. Is uh, Oh, okay. I love his remake of the uh, Supremes, uh, Can't Hurry Love.
1: Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a good. Co-
0: I picked One More Night. Oh, I One love More Night's a great one, too. Yep. I love that song.
1: I can throw on Supremes, because you know what? Not Supremes, but the cover. So, yeah, I'll throw it on just for kicks. Why not, eh?
0: Well, that sounds great. Now, next up, next part of the road trip here, we're going to uh, go to Glasgow. Yeah and uh, we're wearing pants not kilts so no you do not want to see me in a kilt. oh same here you know i'd have to shave my legs and i don't feel like doing that so (laughs) (laughs) all right let's head to uh glasgow and this is april 5th 1998 we're going to be talking a little spice girls we'll be right back
1: So we're here in Glasgow. It's uh nineteen ninety-eight and it happens to be well, April the fifth. It's not a fool's day, April fifth, nineteen ninety-eight. And we're here to see a band uh do their first ever concert. You know
0: who that band is, Tony? Why don't you tell us? Yeah, well that band is the Spice Girls and the Spice Girls, do you remember how popular that phenomenon was?
1: Uh yeah. Yes I do. <laughs> okay full, full disclosure what did you think of the spice girls did you were you a fan or
0: uh I, I, a fan of some stuff not a big fan um but it was it was kind of neat how it was they were trying to recreate like you know make it almost like a female version of the beatles or something uh, but that was that whole era of manufactured pop bands right putting out uh you know audition notices and and Creating pop bands in these pop band factories, and um, what did you think? Did you like it at all, or
1: no? I I, yeah, I mean this. I'm like you. Some of the songs I didn't find them offensive. I didn't find it like I would cringe worthy or turn it off. And in fact, I'm a big fan of good pop music. Like I, you know, I like. I think I love you by the Partridge Family is a great example. I love that song. It's a really good pop song, but. I I I'm not, I wasn't a fan of them per se. I would never buy. Them. My daughter Emily loved 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 the Spice Girls. And in fact, Andrea took her to see the Spice Girls on one of their reunion tours. Andrea said it was a great show, very spectacular. You know, lots of razzle dazzle and stuff. But not my cup of tea, precisely. But um okay, I'm going to link the Spice Girls to the last segment because okay in their in their only film, Bob Geldof made a cameo. So there you go. Bob's oh. popping up in. Sp- that's <laughs> a Bob
0: Geldof is popping up everywhere, but uh, yeah, but didn't so you he, find there was like a Beatle-ish vibe that they were trying to go with too here?
1: Well, hundred percent. I mean, they they wanted they when they put out the casting call or whatever, right? the The, 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 the advertisement asked for very distinct. Like they wanted five distinct, strikingly different girls. Is how they advertised it. And they got that and that's what the, i mean it's kind of like the beatles where you had john paul or ringo the quiet one you know john the serious one paul the cute one so they kind of took that model and 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 made it five five women and um i think that on that note they did and i do i do agree with you there was a especially in their movie it was very much a hard day's night if you watch yeah, yeah um but uh So let's go over them. So there was Melanie Brown, who was known as Mel B, and she was Scary Spice. And Melanie Chisholm, or Melanie C, she was Sporty Spice. I liked I she was my favorite. I liked her voice. Okay. Emma Bunton, Baby Spice. Jerry Halliwell, Ginger Spice, appropriate for being in Scotland, I suppose. And Victoria Beckham. You ever heard of Victoria Beckham? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well i am a huge fan of her husband so i i love david beckham
1: okay i have a david beckham story for you okay we're taking our, our our daughter linda to her first day in new york city to go to school right
0: yeah
1: in her class is brooklyn beckham oh wow we get on an elevator for this meeting for parents and there's david beckham oh no way and my wife's looking she says something and i said i said that's David Beckham. <laughs> and she says, "She says, I thought he'd be taller." <laughs> and he goes, "No, I'm my height, but uh, you know, you're all right for your height." <laughs> he,
0: yeah, and and he's a very funny guy. That's he was hilarious. I
1: thought he was, it was, um, it was, but it was weird being in an elevator with David Beckham. I got to be honest. Oh, that was, is
0: very cool. Yeah, I'm a huge David Beckham fan. I love that guy, and uh, oh, that's amazing.
1: So there was Victoria, who, whose name was Posh Spice, right? So, um, and they were brought together by Bob and Chris Herbert, who were basically a father-son management team, right?
0: Yeah, and but, they, they were trying to compete with the boy bands, right? Who were, <laughs> who were the, all the rage. But I have a question for you. It's a very important question. Okay.
1: Because um, you're right, they were competing with the boy bands, hundred percent. But did they get what they want? Did they really, really want?
0: <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well I'll, I'll tell you what i want what i really really want yeah. <laughs> that's almost catchy i've got to say that <laughs>
1: well it's a, it's a kind of almost chant you know like ah tell me what you want what you really really want yeah i mean it's how can you and they were so so happy and danceable right but,
0: oh it was and, and so british let's let's be honest
1: oh, but the union jack everywhere
0: yeah and uh, you know what? I remember, like, my sister-in-law dressing up as one of the Spice Girls for Halloween and, yep, all that stuff.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It, well, you would have been a teacher, so you must have seen a lot of the Spice Girls coming and going
0: from the school, too, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It was huge, huge for two or three years there. But uh, now, when uh, – though, not, this is, what, 98 – 98, the, yeah. The charts? The first been, concert,
1: the first concert. Yeah.
0: yeah, now the charts would have been really interesting back then. Again, I'm sure the Spice Girls must have been on there, but what what did you pick? So I went with the UK top
1: five, and I did that because of exactly what you just said. You just said they were so British, right? Mm-hmm. They were so British, it, it physically hurt. So I went with the top five singles. Number five is one of my favorite Madonna songs, believe it or not. A song called Frozen. Do you, do you know it?
0: i'm not sure that i do aaron to be honest so i'll it's when, when you put it on the spotify is she on spotify does she she is okay. yes she is she okay is. yeah so that'll be on the list hopefully then yeah
1: it is it's on there yep yeah. number four is someone we've talked about before who never made it over here and i don't know why
0: i don't either robbie
1: williams uh let me entertain you number three spice girls stop that's very dangerous For them to put out a song called stop because you can just picture the critics going take your own advice girls yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) uh okay i'm gonna try to get through this without giggling number two celine d see number two celine dion my heart will go on oh i'm gagging here i yeah yeah wow did that get overplayed um and number one run dmc versus jason nevins and it's like that i remember that one see i don't it's, you don't. You remember that one, eh? I do. I do. So I had to listen to it again last night when I was putting together the playlist. I went. I'd never heard that before. How did I miss it?
0: Well, I don't know about you, but all this chart talk is making me realize that uh, we deserve a break today. And I found this great old commercial from McDonald's from 1976. You ready to hear it? I
1: would uh, love to hear it. Yes.
0: All right. We'll be right back after this short commercial break.
1: Coming back. Coming back. Coming back. Yeah. back no matter where you you keep coming
0: and we're back and we're in New York City and April in New York is uh, nice the weather starts to get warmer and in fact we're here April 10th 1976 and we're talking about a live album that became I don't a monster I mean it was just a monster yeah. hit became one of the biggest selling live albums in rock history and seemingly from nowhere let's be honest but of course I'm talking about mm-hmm. Peter Frampton's masterpiece Frampton comes alive and on April 10th 1976 it went to number one on the charts in the u.s and it was also i mean the biggest selling album of 76 and where did that come from you know because frampton i think people knew who he was but he wasn't uh certainly wasn't a huge draw before this album came out and yet now you know sometimes you mention on this show that oh i don't hear that on the radio uh very often or whatever but how often do you hear you know tracks from this album on the radio in department stores or any all the time
1: yeah it, it, it was a monster you're 100 right and it was also album of the year for rolling stone and and i guess it was a, a poll live albums aren't typically album of the year but this was this was beyond big and and his four solo albums because he was in a band called humble pie which didn't do very well either but his solo albums leading up to this live album, none of them were hits. In fact, his biggest album was the one just before this one was called Frampton and it made it to number 32. But it made it to number 32 after Frampton Comes Alive came out. People kind of went backwards, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, I don't understand, in all honesty, it's a great album. Don't get me wrong. It is a fantastic album. Uh, But I don't understand how that album became that popular when he didn't have the success to set that up like i wonder what what uh, spurred that on because it was on the charts for like 97 weeks
1: do you, do you not think i'm just wondering to answer your question and I, I don't i don't have an answer for you obviously but do you remember what song was it um do you feel like i like we do where he did that voice box thing yeah it was really super it was super weird it was through that you know don't, don't you think that kind of caught it like that was kind of the uh, the hook got people listening don't you th- i mean that was so weird in 76
0: yeah i imagine it, it must have been like the voice box work uh must have got people hooked and maybe they heard it on the radio and and wanted to check out the album but it's a great live show
1: yeah it, it's it's a it's it's a mystery it really is and it it catapulted him to i mean his next album i'm in you was massive as well he he did you did you see how did you see in the notes that his father was a teacher and one of his students was David Bowie? Yeah,
0: that's pretty cool, isn't it?
1: So you might have the next David Bowie in one of your classes, Tony.
0: Well, so. that's right, but
1: uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how it became so huge. I I, I don't. It, it was maybe just. Don't you think sometimes it's just timing is everything? Like it just kind of came out at a time when disco was kind of. On its because it's not disco, it's not heavy metal, it's no. not it's definitely not punk.
0: I mean, no, it's, um, so well, it's, a,
1: it's a but three hit singles that helped too, right?
0: Well, yeah, and uh, you know, recorded in the summer and fall of '75, they were uh, at Winterland in San Francisco, and then Long Island Arena in uh, Comac, New York. So, and they also had a a concert at SUNY, uh, the Plattsburgh campus that was also part of that album but uh, like show me the way I mean I must hear that song you know a dozen times a year when I'm out or baby I love your way like nonstop. or do you feel like we do like you were mentioning they they still get a ton of radio play
1: let me ask you what what like do you like it like is is it an album that you when you when you hear it
0: what do you think of it oh I really like it to be honest
1: yeah, yeah.
0: and I and I love the voice box work too
1: I just, I was watching a a repeat of The Simpsons and he was on it and it was, they were doing a takeoff on Lollapalooza and everyone kept stealing from Peter Frampton. And you know, so uh, the splashing pumpkins were going through his, his uh, he had a cooler on side stage with sandwiches and they're eating his sandwiches. He's like, Hey, Hey, come on, leave my sandwiches. He's doing it in the voice box. It's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. But um you know, I it it's I'm trying to there's only one other act I can think of that their live album broke them and that was Kiss.
0: Oh, Kiss yeah. had the same
1: thing. Kiss Alive was a massive album and they didn't have big albums up to that point. And and that kind of tipped them over the edge too. And I, I but I think live oh. albums are are a thing of the past. I don't hear a lot of live albums these days, do
0: you? No. And you know what? I mean there's a, a bunch of reasons for that, but I think a lot of the music that is coming out today it would be very difficult to perform live in all honesty I mean it's so do you want to go watch somebody hit a button on a laptop and then sing along with it I'm not sure that you know I think social
1: media too because you know back in your days our days the only way you could hear Peter Frampton live was on an album you couldn't go on the computer and go to YouTube and see someone's shaky camera footage of them live in concert right
0: yeah that's very true you can go on youtube and find uh just about any live footage you want and
1: yeah unless the band takes it down it was still a big album it was monumental and it was it, it created his career and um I, you know i i've seen i saw i saw peter frampton twice both okay. times was with, with ringo star and he was he was older shorter hair but still played well man
0: oh yeah no he's a terrific musician as well so You know, good on him. Uh, And it's very cool that this broke his career like that. And now, what did you go with for charts for April 10th in 1976, though?
1: And before I go to the charts, I just want to say one thing is that Ringo Starr played on his first solo album called Wind of Change back in 1971. Oh, wow. So, see see how he kind of repaid the favor later on. So, charts. So, because this was the number one album in America, and I, I was thinking, I was looking at different charts, I thought, This would make Tony laugh. So I like to make you laugh. So I did the UK top five albums. And number (laughs) five, (laughs) because I thought the number five, five, I just thought Tony's going to chuckle on this. Number five, Slim Whitman, the very best of Slim Whitman.
0: And you know what? About four or five episodes back, um, he was on the charts. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Slim is big in the UK, so. I I, I think it's as distinct Now, He's famous for his yodeling. Wouldn't it be great
1: if he had the voice box and yodeling? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Number four is Diana Ross, Diana Ross. The big the big song on that, which I put on the playlist, is uh, Theme for Mahogany. I love that song. Number three, Status Quo. See, there's a band that was massive in the UK, Never broke in America. It's
0: an album called Blue For You. Yeah, and they kicked off Live Aid, didn't they? So
1: Good. Yeah, you remember that? They yeah. did... Um, Rocking all over the world. Mm-hmm. Great song. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Hey, there's our Geldof tie-in. Thank you.
0: Oh, there you go. I'm going <laughs> to ring the bell for that. We haven't rang the bell uh, the last couple of episodes. so far. No, we haven't. And, oh, and we Andrew's
1: go. missing it. <laughs> okay.
0: Number two, what do you have here?
1: Uh, the Eagles, the very best of. And an album that was a TV show and massive in the UK. No one knows about it over here. And unfortunately, it's not even on Spotify is a, song, a soundtrack to something called Rock Follies, which was written by Andy Mackay of Roxy Music. And uh, being a Roxy Music fan, of course, I have the album, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a weird album. It's, a really, it's instrumental, old 50s mixed with jazz, but it was huge. When I say huge, it was huge in England, so there you go.
0: Yeah, very eclectic uh, music tastes over there. And uh, I love it.
1: I love the top five.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's hilarious.
1: Uh, I just got to got a hand for Slim Whitman. I don't
0: know why. <laughs> well, you know what time of the show it is. It's time uh, for us to head back to the present and do our Memphis to Merseyside moment. And all this chart talk ties in beautifully because this is a feat that I think um, will can't be repeated, not at least not in the traditional way. And I'm sure people know what we're talking about. We're talking about some Beatles here, but uh, let's go back to the present and talk about our Memphis to Merseyside moment, and we'll be right back. Okay, it's time for our Memphis to Merseyside moment. Aaron, the biggie, I think, out of uh, all the Beatles stories. This is huge.
1: This is massive and I, I, I you said something before the break. You said that this is this can't be it can never be replicated because the charts now anyone anyway, you what, what is it is it, Tony, the first ninety seconds it gets caught it gets tagged as a listener, forty five seconds? No, it's it's
0: thirty. On Spotify 30. it's thirty seconds, yep.
1: So if you listen to a song for thirty seconds, it's gonna go on the charts. I mean if no, if enough people. But when people are actually going out and buying, purchasing a piece of plastic or vinyl in a record store. On this date, April 4th, 1964, the Beatles held the top five places on the U.S. singles chart. No other band has ever done that since or before. Number five was Please Please Me. Number four was I Want to Hold Your Hand, a former number one. Number three was She Loves You, former number one. Number two was Twist and Shout, and number one was their then new single, and at the time, fastest-selling single in history, a song called Can't Buy Me Love. Uh, they also had nine other songs on the chart bringing their total to 14. 14 singles in the top 100. <laughs> that's amazing. Unfathomable. You know? And 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 two of the singles in the top 100 were imports from Canada. All my loving and Roll Over Beethoven. These singles were only made in Canada and they made the charts in America because that's how many copies were imported into the states. For people, because they, they didn't calculate Canadian sales, they just did American sales. So that meant that the, that there were so many thousands of copies imported into the U.S. that were purchased, which was phenomenal. Phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I don't think you know that young people today uh, can fathom just how popular the Beatles were. I, I don't think you know. I mean, there are guys now who are popular like Drake, and but but I don't think they can hold a candle to how popular and influential the Beatles were uh, during their run. I, I, I don't think there'll ever be anything like it, honestly. I, I can't imagine it. Well,
1: I, I think they're like, the, you know, it's like Elvis and the Beatles. And if you want to throw Sinatra, maybe Bing. But you're right. It's it's There's, there's very popular bands these days who sell out concerts and sell lots of downloads or streaming. But it's not the same, and 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 um, you know, you take a look at "I Want to Hold Your Hand" in January of '64, Tony. It was selling 10,000 copies an hour in New York <laughs> oh my City, goodness. an hour in the in in one city, <laughs> one city, New York, which is insane. It's just insane. You can, you can't, I can't get my head around that.
0: But no, absolutely you know, incredible.
1: So they took the top five that time, which was kind of cool. The, the joke at the time was, "Billboard should be changed from Billboard to Beatleboard." Oh, very nice.
0: Had <laughs> <laughs> to throw that in there, folks. Now, speaking of records, we are going to be setting a record of our own next week because it is our 50th episode. Can you believe that?
1: I really... I, it, it, yes and no. It, first of all, this has been so much fun doing this with you, Tony, that it doesn't feel like 50. Um, and you said something early on when we started doing this. I'll never. It's burned in my brain. You said... We had all these stories to pick from. You said, well, why don't we save that one for next time? And I thought, okay, Tony, next time is a year away, but okay. You were right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Uh, it never feels like work, does it?
1: No, this is fun.
0: Yeah. It, I, this, this is what I'd like to do. I cannot pick one single moment where doing this show has felt like work. It is absolutely fun every time, and I love chatting with you every week. It's uh, It's the highlight of my week, and I love it even more when we actually get together in person. And uh, we've got a big announcement coming next week, but I am not giving it away.
1: Nope. <laughs> not even a, <laughs> not, not even, even a hint. Not even not even a hint. <laughs> not even a teensy-weensy hint. Although, I think we have some, some special, other special things next week, too. Oh,
0: yeah. We'll be, you know, getting out the cake and candles and all that good stuff. And, and uh, yeah. the virtual cake and the candles, I guess. But folks. Uh,
1: no, I'm getting a real cake here. This is Tony. Oh, we should, yeah. We
0: can have cake while we're doing the show. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, as always, want to tell you how grateful we are for letting us come into your headphones every week. And if you only do one thing, tell a friend about the show and uh, maybe someone new will, will get hooked on our brand of rock and roll history chat. And we, Aaron, will be back next week with episode 50, Can't Wait.
1: Can't believe it. Can't believe it. Looking forward to it.
0: See you soon, folks.
1: Thanks for listening to our road trip. The music was by Rick Denis.
0: And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. That way you'll be the first to know whenever we release a new episode. How else can people help, Aaron? They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our website. And if you think we're worth the five stars, please leave us a review. Thanks for hitting the road with us today